Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Be careful the cat. Not say the cat is in the sack when you have not the cat in the sack. <laughs> Hello Serie A fan, first there were seven, now there's just one. Unless you're a Romanista, and if you are, die We're here to provide solace, as the Italian contingent crash out of Europe. We discuss that, and the rest of the week's big stories, in this episode of Scudetto. Hello, hello, and welcome to Scudetto on what is unfortunately a bit of a somber week for Italian football. So somber, in fact, that your regular host, Oscar, decided to call in sick. It's bizarre because Roma actually the only team that went through, so he should be here kind of boasting and sticking it in our faces, but no. Maybe he didn't watch the game and he didn't want to be asked questions. Who knows? No. But in uh, in all seriousness, uh, Oscar, get well soon. Hopefully, he'll be back uh, next week. Also, I'm sorry, for, I'm sorry for interrupting you again. But you see, Oscar's moved to like the coldest country out of the three of us, and he's constantly sick. So just make just make a mental note of this. <laughs> I'm sure the listeners will be making their own mental notes. Uh, but I, Kenny, obviously, I'm taking over uh, the the hot seat this week, and Boaz is still here from Tel Aviv. So, Boaz, how are you doing? How has your week been? And have you got a nice beer for us? To be honest, I've had uh, I've not had the best of weeks on a personal level, and um, I was hoping that the football would kind of uh, balance things out a little bit, but that didn't work at all the way I hoped it would. Ouch! And uh, on the beer front, are you doing? Are you doing better there? I'm sorry to hear to hear that it's not been a great week. As a result, I'm drinking a 7.2% uh, Brewdog Jackhammer, which I've never had before. A little side story: I walked into a shopping center, and there was a shop about the size of my my fridge, basically. And there was a an elderly gentleman in the corner, and he didn't really seem interested at all in selling me alcohol. But uh, I kind of walked around his shop, and in the very corner, he had like a bunch of IPAs and great beers, and I. I really had to uh, urge him to serve me so I could buy these beers. But in any case, I should be covered for a few weeks now, finally. Good stuff. You picked a good one for for tonight anyway. uh, I've actually also got uh, a Brewdog. Mine is uh, Clockwork Tangerine Session IPA. It's been really nice and sunny here in Edinburgh. So I was feeling like I fancied something that was, yeah, a little bit summery and... This is this is what I've got. I actually got a whole a whole heap of brew dogs for my my momentous birthday the other week. So I'm just slowly working my way through those. But anyway, let's get on to the football. So we have to start, unfortunately, with uh, the very very disappointing week for Italian clubs in Europe. Before we delve into the, the depressing side of the story, good news for Roma tonight. They beat Shakhtar 2-1 and go through 5-1 on aggregate. I think we're all 
expecting them to go through after that great first leg that they had. We will come to Roma in a little bit more uh, detail later on. Uh, Obviously, lots to talk about with them this week. But elsewhere, yes, obviously, Real Madrid beat Atalanta 3-1, sending Atalanta 4-1 on aggregate. Bayern beating Lazio 2-1. So Bayern go through there 6-1 on aggregate. And uh, Milan losing 1-0 at home at San Siro to to Man United. Uh, We'll come back to to Milan as well in a little bit. But Boaz, I I don't really know where to where to start with this. It's not the it's not the the first time that we've had Italian teams in recent years going out earlier really than they should. What is the what is behind this? Do you think? I mean, we've been all season talking about how great Syria is. Have we have we been deluding ourselves a little bit? I think it's a it's a very tough question you throw you threw on me there. Um, basically, I think. What we've been saying all along is that Serie A is a very entertaining league and that on their day, any team can beat any other team, which which makes for a very interesting league battle until Inter run away with it. But uh, on the European stage, time and time again, the clubs are found lacking, both in terms of personnel, but also in terms of tactics. And uh, even the teams that, at least on paper, should be doing better, that you see them showing up in Europe with possibly a more defensive mindset than even they even what they play in the league usually it just hasn't been working i've been checking the stats and uh since 2007 italy have had two winners in milan and inter and two finalists in juventus but other than that there's only been one other semi-finalist usually the clubs go out in the quarterfinals and that's just not good enough yeah i think capello had some very very uh Per, per Capello being reeled out for Italian TV after uh, after every game, basically to give his opinion, and it was it's always the same, really. It's just like the, our clubs aren't good enough technically, tactically. The sort of intensity isn't there. I did hear actually, interestingly, uh, Francesco Guidolin uh, on Italian radio. And he had some interesting points. One of them, which uh, I guess to, to run past you, that he was suggesting that perhaps this focus that Italian football is famous for, obviously on you know tactics and tactical discipline, can perhaps work against or is in the modern game working against uh, Italian teams. He said basically, when it comes to the point in the game where you really need to force the issue. Uh, a lot of Italian clubs just seem like they're kind of rigidly stuck in this system and it's difficult for perhaps some individuals to to take the initiative, even if that means breaking with the, the, the discipline. Uh, what do you reckon, Boaz? Fair comment? Interesting point? I think Guidelin raises a very good point and ultimately... It's also a physical issue. I think the the players who are playing the players who play in Italy when it comes to Europe, they just see, they don't seem as fit as their opponents. And the whole I think I mentioned it earlier. The whole defensive mindset is just not helping in the, in the long run. I mean, I mean, no one was expecting Lazio to beat Bayern, for example, but mm-hmm. maybe showing a little bit more uh, attacking guile, trying to steal something from other teams who have put them under pressure would have helped. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is an interesting one. And I think I agree with you as well. I would have expected, I was hoping for more from Atalanta in Madrid as well. But I don't really think that's an accusation that you can throw at Atalanta because they obviously have a very strong identity. And yes, they do 
have a system, but I mean they've got a system where the the wing backs quite often appear as inside forwards, and one of the centre backs quite often overlaps the sort of whoever it is in attack is playing like as a false nine or whatever. So yeah, I'm, I guess with Atalanta, the, the the financial gulf to clubs like Real is just so big that just the the fact that they're competing perhaps is um, is enough. Let's move on to that to that Milan game though, Boaz, because um, we obviously were recording a little bit later tonight. Uh, both of us watched that game. Uh, disappointing result, but what was your snap reaction to it you do you feel encouraged by the performance i personally thought milan actually played all right i I didn't think man united necessarily deserved to go through i thought it was quite an entertaining game what was your reaction i felt this game followed some of the same themes that uh we saw in the milan napoli game on the weekend as well as some of um, milan's recent performances ultimately the vast amount of injuries has just caught up with milan and Whereas in the past, they might have scrapped through with a 1-0 victory or kind of managed to hold on to a 0-0 today against Man United. Um, Right now, things that seemed quite easy in the past are looking very difficult and players who Mm. uh, Milan built their whole backbone on seem a little bit off the pace. Maybe they've played just too much. But also, in Milan's case, I feel that uh, with the exception of Tomori, whose energy has been great and who uh, um, potentially could be a great defender. Right now, he's still got a lot to learn, but he's just moved to a new country. He's moved to a new league. So it's very positive what he's been doing so far. But with the exception of him, I, all the new signings have been uh, kind of flops. Um, you think of uh, Manzukic, who has barely played. He got injured in the you know Euro- pointless Europa League game. Milan could have really done with him, particularly with Zlatan out injured. You think of... Uh, Mete, who was awful today and probably responsible for the goal. It's probably no coincidence that Torino have been going on this crazy winning run since Mete moved to Milan because the guy is uh, a walking liability. Ouch. Furthermore, Milan are, while we, I was saying on one of the recent episodes that Milan, with the exception of Atalanta, Milan have the most player, 15 players who have different players who have got on the score sheet. It has to be said that uh, the likes of Salemakers, Castillejo, I think even uh, Hakan, they haven't scored in several months. I said on a recent uh, guest episode of on Milan Obsession that uh, Salamaka couldn't score in an Amsterdam coffee shop. So uh, mm-hmm. I think uh, ultimately the goals have dried up. And again, today, Milan, they showed a lot of attacking promise. They got into the area, but when it came to killing it, it didn't work out. And probably the same can be said for the game on the weekend with Napoli. Yeah, I mean, I think that was probably the, the notable thing when Pogba came on really wasn't it uh the just he just had that one chance and he was just absolutely ruthless with it i actually thought yeah milan had the the chances to to score in this game but yeah like you said the goals appear to appear to have dried up and to be honest even people like teo hernandez who have i mean we, we can't be too harsh on him because he's been absolutely incredible but even Theo wasn't really at it uh, in this game. I mean, we saw some of the sort of powerful uh, runs where he really sort of managed to use his pace, but there wasn't really any end product. Uh, Kessie, who was incredible in the first leg and has been incredible for Milan in recent months, I thought had quite a good game, but he didn't really dominate the midfield in the same way as he did in the first one. But, I mean... 
it's is it's a big blow to to Milan going going out of uh, the Europa League because it seems like something that they really have uh, invested in this season. Pioli's even said that he's used it to motivate motivate his players. You know, results in earlier rounds. But also, you know, it comes off of the back of a very disappointing result against Napoli at the the weekend. I mean, you you watched that game as well, Boaz, didn't you? Was that uh, unfortunately I did? Yeah, right. So was, was that more of the same, really? I think um, Napoli and Milan played a very entertaining game for the neutrals, and the first half was had a few chances for both teams, and ultimately it felt like whoever scored first would go on to win it. Napoli got a very early goal in the second half, courtesy of uh, Politano, who is on loan from Inter. So there is kind of a, a weird uh, symmetry there. And uh, also he kind of scuffed his shot, so it, it made it even more painful. But uh, the the players, the actual the players you mentioned, Teo Hernandez and Kessie were off the pace in that game as well. It's felt, I mean, you're playing a bunch of kids and some of these guys, as hard as they try... They're not. Uh, they're, they know probably that they're not starters. They're, this is Milan are into their third lines now. Um, mm. But uh, you know you have to give credit to Napoli. They they all they played a good game and they, they they definitely didn't steal the victory. There was a really good battle on the left with uh, Insigne causing Dallo all sorts of trouble. He's a fantastic player, Insigne. And as an aside, it it was really comical to see Captain Insigne, five foot four, five foot five. Shake hands with Captain uh, Donnarumma, who's six foot three, I believe. So <laughs> it was <laughs> a very large. Uh, yeah, it was a strange one. What else can I say? I mean, it's nice that uh, uh, this is a little uh, dig, but it's nice that Gattuso finally got a win at San Siro, something he wasn't too capable of when he was managing Milan. And the same can be said for Politano, who was uh, notorious for kind of playing whenever Inter couldn't get a win. So. Uh, it was a disappointing result, but I think, as we said over time and time again, the hard work starts now. And Milan, now that they're out of Europe, there is no excuse to not focus on the the league and just get it over the line. Yeah, I mean, probably, probably the case the the Scudetto challenge is is gone now. When when we see what what happened uh, Inter Torino as well, uh, but is the champ is Champions League qualification even at risk now for Milan? Would you feel? So having gone on an incredible run of 38 consecutive league games where they scored a goal, Milan have not scored now in uh, four of their last nine games, losing on four occasions in these games. I think, as I said, Milan have to pull up their socks. And we've said all, all season that the, the top positions, everything is very tight. And uh, any slip up it will lead to another team taking advantage. In Milan's uh, defense or something on the back of the mind is that, yes, they still have to play Atalanta and Juventus away. But uh, some of the clubs chasing are also playing each other. Um, Roma and Napoli are playing this weekend. So there will be points won and lost for other teams as well. But uh, it would be really disappointing if Milan didn't make the Champions League, having had such a phenomenal uh, 2020. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of calendar year stats anyways. And so I think the, the real, the real uh, point to prove is to get it over the line by the end of the, the real season. Yeah, somewhere someone that won't be picking up any any points this weekend, obviously, are Inter. We mentioned there that they they won two one in uh, Torino, but the most recent news there, obviously, is that there's been this COVID outbreak. Uh, so the latest two players to, to test positive today, as we as we record, 
um, or De Vries and Vecino. Uh, before that, obviously, Andanovic and the, the, the first person of this particular outbreak to test positive was D'Ambrosio. So that means that their game this weekend against Sassuolo is going to be postponed. And we made a lot was about how you know Inter with a week to prepare uh, under Conte obviously are unstoppable. We obviously don't know what the impact's going to be on Inter's fixtures beyond this weekend from this. But uh, could Inter be losing that advantage? Could they have uh, Juve and Milan behind them now both out of Europe with? Uh, the ability to prepare for a week, whereas Inter have to cram in matches. Is Are we calling the checkered flag on the title race too early? Well, first of all, the fact that this game was called off is um, further proof that Serie A is kind of a, or Fidici is kind of a clown outfit. It's, it's not really clear why they made such a big deal of the protocol at the beginning of the season when clearly some clubs are following it and other clubs are completely ignoring it. For this game in particular, the the health authority of Lombardy and the, where Milan is called this game off. But if you think back to January, um, Milan played Juventus without four players with COVID. Likewise, I think Juventus played Inter without a few players with COVID. So I'm not really sure why in this particular case, um, I'm, I'm doing air quotes, but with uh, just four players out, this is a, a health issue. Having said that, um, it's impossible to know a, how much this will spread through the squad and and how long these players will take to recover. And uh, it could definitely affect them. But uh, we, I think of all the squads, maybe with the exception of Juventus, the one team that can cope with mass injury ex- or mass exodus due to uh, COVID is Inter because they have probably two great players in every position or in most positions. Yeah, I'm not entirely convinced that Inter without Lukaku are the, the same side. I think he's... He's the guy who's, who's made the difference. He's obviously not among the the players that have tested positive, but we don't know we don't know how far this uh, COVID outbreak is is going to extend. Obviously, it's still uh, what we're two days we're two days into it. It's interesting you mentioned Lukaku because um, Italian former Serie A player and current uh, TV commentator Lele Adani said that whenever Lukaku is on the pitch, Inter start one nil up, and the way the matches are going, that's like so true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would totally, totally agree with that. Um, and I mean, this COVID obviously it's, it's affected everyone's uh, everyone's lives. But it is it's, it feels like it feels strange on a podcast to constantly be talking about the pandemic and part of the reason I guess that we started this podcast was to to have something to to distract us from that. But it's also at the center of one of the other big stories from earlier this week um, with. Napoli's postponed game which was I think match game match day four or something uh, uh, against Juve um, which was initially scheduled to be played this week uh, and that has been postponed until the beginning of April Uh, Roma taking exception to this earlier this week because they obviously themselves had a, a Europa League game but they say that this favors uh favors napoli over them ahead of their their big game this weekend i mean i can i can kind of see where they're coming at uh, the circumstances have dictated that this favors uh napoli in this particular situation but i mean is it i mean <laughs> do they really have grounds to 
to complain about this, would you say? Because for me, it's kind of like you've kind of just got, especially in these circumstances, you've just got to play the card, the cards you're dealt, really. I get the feeling that this is kind of the Friedkins um, posturing a little bit, showing their their nails. Um, so far, the, their whole management style has been very laissez-faire, and they've kind of been praised for taking a back seat and taking it all in before making any decisions. And this is the first time, I think, where they've, they've said they've come out the cl- as a club and said something that's slightly out of line. But realistically, if they look at Serie A in the past three or four seasons, matches that get postponed, they're usually they, they, it's usually agreed between the two clubs when the game will be played again. And uh, this situation has happened time and time again, including for Roma. So uh, it's kind of uh, a little bit hypocritical of them to complain about it now. Yeah, and not a great week for them either. They obviously lost 2-0 to Parma at the weekend. Parma had gone 17 games without a win. So that, I mean, that's going to be a big a big blow for them in their quest to to make the Champions League. Obviously, their their other rivals for that final Champions League spot, uh, Atalanta, Napoli, Lazio, perhaps uh, I said a few weeks back that they were perhaps falling away a little bit. But uh, if we count them in the equation as well, they're all out of Europe now. Um, so I don't know. I kind of feel like they, you, you just spoke about squad depth there. This is this is the time where I think perhaps Roma's lack of squad depth really could could come back to to bite them. But uh, let's move on to speak about uh, about Juve. Well, let's speak about specifically hmm. about Cristiano Ronaldo who broke Pele's official goal-scoring record uh, this week and actually received a congratulatory message from uh, the great man himself. He scored what I believe is his second fastest hat-trick of his career, the perfect hat-trick with a head, one with the left, one with the right. Uh, There was a penalty thrown in there for for good measure as well. And it has to be said, uh, an honourable mention for an absolute stunner of a third. I'll just uh, get that in here right now. Uh, But he caused a little bit of controversy after, I I believe it was after the third goal, when he sort of raised his his hands to his ears to kind of say, um, you know, I can hear you. I can hear the, the critics referring to, obviously, what was rightly called out as a subpar performance in the in the Champions League in in the week that saw Juventus getting eliminated by by Porto boss what do you, what do you make of this what do you make of uh, Ronaldo's grand gesture grand statement how do I put this nicely without alienating some Juventus fans who listen to us <laughs> I feel that Juventus didn't sign Ronaldo to be a tiger on a weekend Serie A game and be a kitten on the midweek Champions League game. And this is the biggest criticism. I think we, we said it in the last episode. It is okay to criticize the Ronaldo project without criticizing the player because obviously he's still, he's getting the goals and it's the setup around him that is not necessarily best suited to get the, them the results they want. Having said that, um, it, we really have to raise the fact that Ronaldo shouldn't have been on the pitch to score that hat-trick because when it was still 1-0... He um, booted Cranio in the skull, which is funny because Cranio means skull in Italian. Ha. Of course. But um, <laughs> the, uh, the keeper needed seven stitches. And uh, to me, that, that is complete uh, violent conduct, whether he meant it or not, whether his fo- foot was fully extended. And for some reason, it was only a yellow. And I think that any other player on the pitch would, who would have done that would have seen red immediately. 
So that kind of taints it. And then, as I said, Ronaldo, amongst many of his teammates, was a ghost in the Porto game. So to score against relegation-threatened Cagliari, it's all very good and nice, but um, it's not yeah. why you're getting paid the big bucks. Yeah, yeah, of course. And in the age of VAR, uh, again, not not to bring up a recurring theme, but in the age of VAR, there's really no excuse for officials officials missing that, really, is there? It's interesting you mentioned officials because I, I just want to bring it back to the, um, the Milan game. There was this incident towards the end of the match, which is like the epitome of why Italian refs don't use VAR properly or do. There was an incident in the area where Teo Hernandez was tackled by Bakayoko and off the ball and a very light touch. But if he touched him, it's probably a penalty. But the ball moves on and Osimen breaks out and Teo Hernandez takes him out completely. It's kind of an orange card, probably a little bit more red than yellow. Ref gives him a yellow, gets called back to VAR to see the penalty and to see the foul and, and sticks to the yellow and doesn't give the penalty. Now, I think both those decisions are kind of fair, but... It's strange that he's come to those decisions having barely watched the video. And it's the same in the in the Cagliari game where I think, as I said, Ronaldo kind of got the benefit of the doubt there. Yeah, okay. The other big midweek action this week, obviously Torino coming back from two goals down uh, against Sassuolo with 13 minutes left to play to win 3-2. Uh, and I think that was about two minutes into into injury time that Zaza got the got the winner there um, that actually uh, we, we were talking about how Torino were way behind Cagliari but ha 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 they're not they're not going to win all of their uh, all of those games in hand that they have well they've actually gone above Cagliari and still have uh, a game in hand so that bottom of the table is really really beginning to to heat up at the moment and it has to be said as well that um, Spezia and Benevento aren't out of the the woods either. Elsewhere, I think uh, as a as a kind of best of the rest, as it were, uh, Bologna beating Samp three one, great result for for them. It's actually Bologna's fifth consecutive Serie A victory against uh, Samp, and Samp now haven't won away to Bologna since two thousand and three. So obviously. A bit of a, a bogey team there for them, uh, but Barrow with a, a goal and an assist in that game, and that moves Bologna up to 12th and just one point behind Samp, who are in 11th. And one of the teams that I mentioned there are actually threatened with the relegation now. Benevento losing 4-1 to Fiorentina, and uh, that that's going to bring up an honourable mention, which I'll, uh, I'll I'll just put out there just now before we do good week, bad week. And I think it has to be the first honourable mention has to be for Vlaovic for that uh, first half hat-trick. Two really, really great poachers goals, but in particular, the third was an absolute cracker. Um, He just basically receives the ball in no apparent danger, really takes one great touch and then I think even has has a look up and then just curls the ball into the far far corner and you actually don't really appreciate how good that goal is until you see it from from behind the goal just uh, just exceptional uh, i made a lot and i'm uh, gonna self-criticize here uh, i made a lot of the fact that fiorentina didn't bother signing a uh, didn't bother signing a, a striker earlier on in the season either in pre-season or in the january window well it kind of seems like they've they've found one now that's um Blaovic's, uh 12th 
Serie A goal. And the vast majority of those have actually come since mid-December and certainly since Brandali came in. So um, I'm, I'm going to give him an honourable mention. I've already given two honourable mentions and we haven't even got to that section yet. But we better move on to... I just, the... I just want to add that um, he's uh, one goal away from being the top goal scorer ever in a season, for a top Serbian goal scorer ever in a season, overtaking uh, Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, who scored 12 as well in 2017-2018. Yeah, yeah, he really is uh, really is coming to, to the fore, isn't he? Right, we're going to move on to good week, bad week. Um, oof. We're going to start, let's start off with good week. So we already very briefly mentioned Roma's uh, calamitous result at the weekend. The flip side of that coin is Parma winning 2-0 and ending a 17-game run where they, they hadn't won. Boz, I'm going to propose them for good week. Do you have any objections to that? Do you have any alternative suggestions? Mm, you mentioned the... Uh... Bologna earlier and I think we haven't given them a good week yet and at least for Mihailovic's nice uh, collector sneakers it's worth it's worth giving him or oh, them. Oh right controversial we have a we have a dispute here I'm gonna leave it up to you if you if you want to give it to Bologna seeing as how since I mean, I'm in the hot seat I think it's right that you choose. Perhaps like we did last week maybe Parma is a good choice because they might never get it again so um Let's give him a good week for the sake of uh, variety and spice in life. Okay. And bad week. Uh, I think we discussed this before before we started recording, didn't we, Boaz? But I'm I'm gonna let you uh, I'm gonna gonna let you say who we have decided has had a bad week. The reason I'm drinking more than one beer on this episode is because it's <laughs> <laughs> because uh, Milan have had a bad week, both result wise, injury wise, and. Generally, it's a st- step back, and as we we mentioned earlier, it's a big disappointment considering how well things were going in 2020. And once again, they really need to start uh, digging out results and uh, going on a run again. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, they were still in two in the running for two major competitions, and now certainly out of one of them, and arguably out of the running for for Serie A as well as we've as we've already said. Okay, right. Honorable mentions now, Boaz. Uh, I'm going to let you take the first one because I've already had two. So uh, you have an honorable for Mike Wallace. I'd like to give an honorable mention to um, Irish politician Mike Wallace, who, frankly, I don't know much about his actual politics. So this is not an endorsement, just in case. <laughs> but um, he showed up for the European Parliament with uh, a, a Torino shirt on St. Patrick's Day. And uh, when he was asked what's going on, why, is he, why he's not dressed uh, properly or formally, he said that because it's St. Patrick's Day and because Torino beat uh, Sassuolo as a complete underdog, it was fitting. And apparently he's, um, he's, he's got a season ticket for Torino and up until COVID struck, he used to see about 20 games a season. So uh, that's an interesting story. I mean, I'm looking at his picture now. He looks like a member of Spinal Tap. So uh, it's... Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I really, I'm really hoping his politics are great too because he seems like a character. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, characters and politics uh, don't necessarily mesh with good with good politics. But I don't know. Uh, like you, I don't know his politics. So. I'm, I'm purposely ignoring it. I'm, I'm not looking into it in case it ruins this nice story. But to see some Irish fella in, in the European Parliament in a Torino shirt is grandiose. 
it does look very it does look very interesting you should be that that picture earlier right okay so i've got an honorable for daniele de rossi actually who it was announced uh, i believe it was earlier today it might have been yesterday as as we record um that he will be joining the the italian national sides coaching staff so i'm going to give him an honorable for that because i think he he was always a great character uh, on the field and i know that he's very liked off the field as well, he did, he was linked with a few uh, a few vacant managerial posts, including the Fiorentina one at one point. But yeah, it's good to see him back in football uh, on an actual footballing basis, rather than uh, just being a, a personality around it. Right, and so Boaz, you've got a dishonourable for Rebic. Whatever could that be for? I'm on. I'm actually on the fence whether it's a dishonourable or honourable. Basically. As we've mentioned earlier, Milan have quite a bad cri- uh, injury crisis and could probably do with every single player they can get on the pitch. But Rebic came on in the second half and uh, clearly was very frustrated. And I think a foul was whistled against him. And he said to the referee that, I think I, I saw your mother walking around the streets, prostituting herself in the streets of Naples. Now, Oof. the reason I might give him an honorable for this is because oh, no. if you see the the footage, he's so calm when he says it. He's just the, he's just like I, oh dear. He, it looks like he's like reading his short grocery list or something. He's just like yeah, I need to buy some bread and some eggs. It just yeah, I, and the ref is outraged. He turns around. He couldn't believe what he's hearing. <laughs> so um, definitely oh a dishonorable God. for the way he leaves his team without a key player in such a key moment of the season. Yeah. Yeah, I think it has to be it has to be a dishonorable for that boys, I'm afraid. Very creative um, okay. though. It, it is very yes, very creative and very bold, let's say. Um I have got an honorable my obligatory goal honorable. I've already given one of them out to, to Cristiano Ronaldo, but for Lautaro Martinez's incredible incredible header and winning goal for Inter against Torino, uh, one definitely to to check out on on YouTube. Um, how he manages to get his get his head behind the ball, really. To to be honest, from the 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 cross that's delivered, and then how he manages to to steer it um, accurately across the goal, just an absolutely fantastic fantastic finish. So I'm going to give him an honorable for that, and I'm going to suggest that everyone goes and digs that one out on on YouTube. We possibly didn't spend enough words on the Inter victory against Torino, but uh, it's worth noting that Inter are kind of like the Terminator. The, even in games where they're not playing well, where things are not going their way, because Torino's goal came off kind of a goal line scuffle, which could have been given as a foul. But anyways, they, they know how to grind out victories. And once again, I'm forced to say that's the sign of a true champion. Yeah, victory in adversity is a bit of a, a cliche, but it's a cliche because it's true, I guess. Boaz, you've got an honourable for Grifo. A few months ago, Grifo debuted in for the Azzurri, and I mean, our fr- three-man panel rather ignorantly didn't know much about him. It's worth saying that Grifo was att- was visiting an Italian restaurant, and he heard that the, the owner's nephew had some uh, rare form of uh, cancer and needed a very specific treatment every four months. And uh, Grifo knew that this therapy in Italy was not available for this child. So him and a few of his colleagues uh, made, a, made a donated 2 million euros, which allowed them to bring this child to Germany to have this very specific operation. So complete honorable for us. Yeah, absolutely. What a gesture. 
and uh, yeah, footballers often get a bad rep, but then uh, quite often go and do do things like that as well. Really, 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 really nice, nice gesture. More than a gesture, really, because that's a lot of money to anybody. Right, uh, my final final honourable mention of this episode is going to uh, Napoli left-back Gulam, who is injured again with another uh, knee injury, uh, this time a, a, an injury, a cruciate injury to, his, uh, to the left knee. Uh, he's just had absolutely horrible luck. Um, I think he's, he's 30 now, so hopefully, hopefully he'll... Uh, make it back to to the field of play and uh, I think just a, a get well soon for him really. Um, Boaz, a final honourable of the episode and it's a big one. As usual, I kind of get the birthday honourables but uh, this one is an uh, all-time classic for Serie A. Giovanni Topotoni turned 82 this week. As I said, he's he's one of these guys that is synonymous with Italian football and, and football in, as a whole, I think. He won 10 national titles, seven in Italy, one in Germany, one in Portugal, and one in Austria. He also managed uh, Italy. As we know, there was the infamous uh, Byron Moreno episode, and he was the manager then. To be honest, he was a little bit defensive in that tournament, and we can we can get into that in a special episode. But while Byron Moreno was a complete asshole, but... Uh, you, it, it, I I mean, like it <laughs> and and that tournament was a complete uh, complete fraud. Let's be let's face it. But Italy still could have been attacking a lot better. But that's a beside the point. Um, he's a complete hero, and he's known for these great quotes like "Stones, Stones." When he was in Germany or when he was managing Ireland, he said, <laughs> uh, "Don't say cat till the cat in the sack is in the sack," which. I guess is a very bad translation of a famous Italian saying. So, uh, real character. And Kenny, I want to ask you a question. Do you know where um, Trapattoni ended his uh, management career? It, that would have been Ireland, wouldn't it? You would be right, except he's now managing the Vatican City, who play a game every nine years, more or less. And his oh, last time word. he managed them was in 2010, to a massive loss. But... Uh, yeah. I think that's that's the very definition of semi-retired, isn't it? It's more than semi-retired. It's like 90% retired. It's below San Marino level, definitely. Yeah, great. Okay, well, that's actually all we've got time for this week. Uh, I want to thank uh, you, listener, for sticking with us uh, with our Oscar again. So we would like to wish him also all the best for, for a speedy recovery. Other than that, please do subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next week, enjoy the football. Struz ist zwei Jahre hier, gespielt sein Spiel. Ist immer verletzt. Was erlaubt Struz? Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 